Vision Day, Vision Day, February 3rd, you're going to want to be here. It's going to be an amazing time together as a church where we celebrate what God did in 2018, but look forward to what God's going to do in 2019. And uh, Heather and I are believing God with you that 2019 is going to be the big year, the best year, and uh, for you personally and for our church as a family. So go ahead and take your Bibles out with me if you would, to, and let's turn together to Isaiah chapter 30. I feel a bit... Uh, constrained under the gun. We, we wanted to accommodate some of the detours that we're making you uh, do on your way to children's ministry and the restrooms. And so we started a little bit late. And then with uh, children's dedication, um, always interesting how long we're going to, I'm going to get to preach on any given Sunday. So I looked at Heather, I said, what do I cut? And she said, it's all so good. Everybody will stay for it. <laughs> I'm kidding. She didn't say that, but that's what I wish she would have said. But she didn't say that. Uh, Turn to Isaiah 30, and we're going to look at verse 21. Um, How you start your year matters. You know, how you start something matters. And and here you are on the third Sunday of a new year. And you had a snow day last week, so that doesn't count. So really, this is the second Sunday of the new year. Hopefully, you're you're batting 1,000, 100% church attendance. And uh, God is working something in you, even as we spend 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. We're really in the last seven days right now. And so in these last seven days, maybe you faltered, maybe you, you got a false start, maybe you you've, uh, didn't even know about it, and this is your chance. No matter where you are on the spectrum, I, I just want to encourage you, jump in, get involved. The prayer life that you came into 2019 with doesn't have to be the prayer life you leave 2019 with. We can all grow in prayer. And it's interesting to me, if I were to jump off the stage right now, if I were to come off the stage and say, and and randomly select somebody and say, they are now going to lead us in prayer for 10 to 15 minutes. Wow. That's right. Some of you would be struck with, by fear and, and you wouldn't know where to begin. Because we've been taught certain things about prayer, and for, first and foremost, when we hear about prayer, we think, well, I won't superimpose this on you, but when I hear the concept and, of prayer, the topic of prayer, I many times my first reaction is, I should pray more. I think to myself, man, I, I know I need to pray more, and I'm a pastor, and I feel like I should pray more. And then the second thing we often think is, I don't know if I pray very well. What if somebody handed you a mic right now and said, you're going to go ahead and and pray, and your prayer is going to unlock heaven's doors, and it's going to release God's best in someone's life, and it's going to be the intersection of everything that they have hoped and dreamt and needed, and it's all on you right now. Pray. Might be kind of scary, right? Well, I'm I'm not going to make anybody pray right now. But what I I do want us to do is I want us to learn how to pray as a church because it's not about learning how to pray and fast for 21 days. It's learning a lifestyle that you bring this with you for 2019 and all the years to come. And when we make that adjustment, uh, there's something amazing that happens. So Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, so we want to teach you how to pray. So we have a guide uh, that will help you. It's 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting Guide. You can download it off our website under at citizenheights.com forward slash ministries, 
under prayer guide, or you can go to our so any one of our social media pages and click on the bio, and you can download it. It'll give you topics for every day for these last remaining days. It'll give you descriptions of what fasting is, what it means, what the Bible talks about, different options of fasting. And I want to encourage you, make a plan. Like, make a plan for these last seven days. Get involved because I, you, you, might not, you might not have perfect um, performance over the next seven days, but that's okay. It's not about perfect performance, and I would rather hit 60 or 70% of a plan than 0% of no plan, and so make a plan, download the guide, take a few steps this week, and watch what happens. It's going to be amazing. Do you have Isaiah chapter 30? That was all so we could get to the verse, so uh, let's read it together. Actually, let's not read it together. I will read it. We'll put it on the big screen for you, and and it goes like this. Are you ready? Your own ears will hear him. Say, my ears. Say, my ears. Aren't you glad that God gets personal? It's your ears. He says, your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that our own ears, in the midst of distractions and, and other competition for our attention, can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit today. You can speak and download into us Father, what it is to pray, to fast, of all the things that you said your house would be, Lord, you didn't say it would be a house of great preaching, a house of amazing logos and big screens and smoke. You said it would be a house of prayer. So God, we want to be those who know how to pray, know how to ask, know how to seek, know how to knock, because we know that what we ask for isn't just for ourselves, but it's for the city that you've called us to. It's for the neighbors that you've placed us in their lives and family members who need it. So, God, we ask for your goodness in our workplace, our private place, our financial place, our relational place. And we give you complete control. God, we want to walk into 2019 with a God confidence that what we're doing we heard from God right behind us. So, God, speak to us even now in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Hey, have you ever lost anything of value? You lost, anybody lo- lose anything? By show of hands, just want to make sure I keep you. Have, have anybody lost anything of value? And it might be great monetary value or it might be uh, sentimental value. And, and it, a lot of hands. Um, and if you've lost something of value, you, you understand right away that you'll pull out all the stops to make sure you can get it. Right? When you lose something of value, you pull out all the stops to try to relocate it or, or locate it and, and recapture it. And it was a few years ago, many years ago, actually. Heather and I had just been married for a couple of years. And uh, this is a story of how amazing my wife is. So prepare yourself. We're, and we were, it was probably our second or third anniversary. And I was going to, um, that year I was going to buy a motorcycle for myself. But I had godly men in my life that knew how to counsel you when you're coming up on an anniversary that you don't buy yourself something. You save your money and you buy your wife something. And so I bought her uh, these diamond earrings. And they weren't big. They were kind of small and, and um, humble. Uh, but they were probably, I would, I would say they were her prized possession of jewelry at that time. And she loved those earrings. She wore them all the time. And one morning, uh, we're talking downstairs. And all of a sudden, she had this panicked look on her face. And she said, oh, no, my earrings. 
And she proceeded to, to rush around the house and check things. And, w- and what had happened is the night before, she took off her earrings and placed them on the bedside table, which she would routinely do. And the next morning, that morning, she had gotten up, and with the busyness of kids and, and clutter and, and life, she had quickly gone through with the garbage from the bathroom and wiped some of the tissues that were on her bedside table, just kind of put it in the trash, and then carried that trash to the, the bigger trash in the kitchen, and then the bigger trash in the kitchen got brought to the bigger trash in the garage, and then the biggest trash in the garage got brought to the road. And as she looked outside, the garbage man had already come and taken the garbage. No more earrings. Right? Sad story. Not my wife. She said, I'll be back. She gets her keys. She gets in the car. She drives through the neighborhood. She finds the garbage man. She cuts him off, makes him stop the truck. She gets out and says, I'm going to be a minute. She goes around to the back of the garbage truck and starts looking for the bags that came from our house. How many know that's an amazing lady? Why? Because when you lose something of value, you pull out all the stops. You go all out to recapture it, to find it. You know, and sometimes I think we go through a year. Maybe 2018 was this kind of year for you where there was some detours. There were some unexpected bumps. Maybe you got a couple bruises, and, and maybe you took a couple turns, and you found yourself getting to the end of 2018, and you had lost something. It's amazing how the beginning of a new year can, can bring hope for the future, can bring a reset. But 2019 will not end any differently than 2018 unless there's something more than just a fresh sense of start, restart, recapturing that thing. Prayer and fasting is a way not just to get back what you, what you had in God, but to get to places you've never yet been in God. Prayer and fasting, I want to talk to you about prayer and fasting today because I I want the next seven days to be good, but I want the rest of your life to be God and great. And that happens when you decide that prayer and fasting is a spiritual discipline. It is not, uh, it's more of a necessity than it is an accessory. And it changes everything about me. So, Prayer life. We're going to talk about prayer life, and, and, and I think it's important just to acknowledge we all could have better prayer life. So just turn to your neighbor and say, my prayer life is going to get better in 2019. There you go. It's like form of confession. Look to the other person on your other side and say, it's true. My prayer life needs work. Hey, it can get better. Your prayer life can get better. You turn 16. You got your permit. You, you, you started learning how to drive. You didn't know how to drive. So what did you do? You took classes, took driver's ed, got uh, chances to practice, application, daily experiences, and now at least 50% of us know how to drive now, at least. You know, or, or a new job at work, and there's certain skills that they need, and they sent you to training, and now you get daily application and practice, and now you're good at it, right? Prayer is the same thing. We can get good at it. You can get great at prayer. And that's what we want to do. And, and I think one of the keys, and I'm going to give you three things today, so get ready to take some notes. Um, but I think growing up where I grew up, I grew up in New York, and I grew up in, with a lot of, um, I'll, I'll just say a lot of denominational mindsets where we didn't, we really didn't have a Bible understanding of what God said about prayer. We just had like an understanding of people around us and how they acted about prayer. And one of the ways they acted is they acted like um, prayer was something where you had to make enough prayer deposits. And and the reason you were making prayer deposits was to overcome um, 
God's reluctance. Like, like somehow prayer was this mechanism that if you do enough of it, you can, you can pry that request out of God's reluctant hands. And I, I don't know, nobody ever pointed to chapter and verse and taught that. It was just how everybody acted. Like, oh, we better pray. And then you drive into the parking lot and you're looking for a spot. You know, you're looking for that favored spot. The favored of the Lord spot. And you want to find that spot right up close. But you think to yourself, well, I haven't gone to church for a while. I haven't prayed for a while. I don't deserve the favored spot. But that permeates our being in almost every interaction, in every exchange we have with our Heavenly Father, that thought of, I don't deserve this because I haven't put in the work for this. And so that was one of these concepts I, I had. And, and two of my cousins were Catholic priests, and they were, they were really good at this. this. This thought of, we have to do this to get that. And it got into me. And so the first thing, I just want to give us a presuppositional thought before I give you what I think are three keys. And that is this. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. Prayer is laying hold of God's willingness. That's what prayer is. It's not attempting to log enough hours to overcome his reluctance. It's, it's getting to know him. And in his nature, we're laying hold of God is willing. Do you hear me? God is willing. I'll just say it again. God is willing. God is willing. In 2019, God is willing. Matthew 6, 8 talks about how, uh, how we serve a God who knows what we need even before we ask for it. And so it's interesting that the God who already knows what I need and what you need is still saying, ask, seek, knock. You have not because you ask not. But you already know. I still want you to ask. Why? God is interested in something in the exchange. He's interested in the exchange because God's heart is to hear us and draw near us. And prayer is that mechanism by which God hears us, draws near to us, and begins to do what I, I believe three things we receive in prayer. Are you ready to take some notes? Are you all with me? You're a talkative church, right? So number one, the first thing that we receive as we pray is we receive a heart change. We receive a heart change. So, so prayer is a conversation, but it's a conversation about transformation. Prayer is this conversation. It's so easy. It's a conversation. And in the middle of the conversation, God begins to work on you, to change you, to transform you. See, in college, um, I remember, you know, you have a roommate in college, and then maybe two roommates, and then you move to an expensive metropolitan center like D.C., and you have a couple housemates. And what I discovered in college, most of us did, is 90% of the drama of college is connected to your roommates. And I had a small group leader in college, and the small group leader said to me, he said, the, he said this is your answer. He said, the, the roommates that pray together stay together. And so I made sure from that point on we never prayed together. I'm being serious. I was like, we don't. I had no desire to make that association permanent. I just, let's let it be what it is and get out. But it's true. When you pray for somebody, you connect yourself to somebody. And it should be no surprise because the Bible says that where you put your treasure, your heart will follow. 
right? So where you put your treasure, your heart will follow. So it's amazing if you're having a, a, a difficult time in your marriage, pray for your, one another. If you're having a difficult time at work, begin to pray for your coworkers. Just begin to pray. And as you pray, what happens, it's the investment of your soul. It's an investment of your heart. It's an investment at a level where all of a sudden your heart attaches and connects. And anybody who's ever bought stock knows how this works. Because you, you buy your, your stock on, on Saturday or Sunday, and Monday morning you can't wait to check. Has it gone up? Has it gone down? You'll read the prospectus. You're reading up on the board of directors. You're, you're screening decisions they're making. You've never cared before, but now you're invested. Now you want to know. Well, prayer is the investment mechanism of our hearts. It's, it's how you invest in lives around you, but it's also how you invest in your relationship with God. Okay, so it's got this horizontal dimension, but it's got this vertical dimension where prayer can, it, it causes a, a transformative connection. It changes you. I like that. Ezekiel, in chapter 36, verse 26, let's put this up and, and consider this. Think about the transformation. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. See, that's, that's a heart transplant that you can't do with positive thinking. That's a heart transplant you can't do with a list of do's and don'ts in a new year. That's something that God comes in and sovereignly begins to orchestrate and begins to transform you and put a new spirit in you. See, most people pray for strength to do something. But what we're talking about right now is, is praying for a grace to become something. That's different, isn't it? Most of us pray, for God, give me strength to get through the day. God, give me strength to not kill him. God, give me strength to, to just be able to, to make it through this. No, God, give me the grace to be transformed and changed into your image where every day I have exactly what I need and what it takes because you said greater works than these than we will do than you did. And so I want to walk in the reality of who you said I could be, Jesus, so transform me from the inside out. I don't want to be conformed from the outside in with religion and more do's and don'ts. I want to be transformed from the inside out. Transform me in prayer. Prayer changes who we are. And it's not always intended to change the circumstances. You know, I wish it was. Wouldn't it be great if prayers, the, the object of prayer was always just to change the circumstance. I don't like the guy in the cubicle next to me. He smells like soup. Right? Or I don't like the girl next to me, you know, at, at work. You know, she's always playing emo. I don't know. And you, because like, I think most of us are like this. Our default is to pray for deliverance. And I'm with you. Ten out of ten times, I'll pray for deliverance. But sometimes God puts us in a situation for endurance, to transform us. It's not to change the situation. It's to change us so we overcome the situation and have something in us now that we wouldn't have had had we not gone through, had we not tarried, had we not persisted. See, he's changing us. Sometimes we don't have, sometimes we're using too many options. That's what I'll say. And Abraham Lincoln had something to say about options. He, he had something to say about outlets. Look at this quote. He's another one that, quote after quote, amazing. And look at the insight. He said, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had absolutely no other place to go. Prayer brought, prayer brought me to a place because I knew I had no option. 
I had no other outlet. And in a world that says keep your options open, God many times wants not just your options limited, he wants your options eliminated because he wants to be the only option. He wants to be the strength of our lives. He wants to be the strength of our heart. And many times we find options. We find other outlets to cope. Instead of God being the strength of my life, we quickly go to other options. Other things that we suppose will be the source of our strength, but disappoint or delay or detour. Instead of taking hold of what can take place in prayer. Think about some of the options that we turn to. Anxiety. Oh, I just, I'm carrying the weight of the world. You shouldn't. It says cast all your cares, but I, I've got stress. I'm, 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 you know, I'm living in doubt. I, I'm a nervous nail biter. I'm an overeater. I'm a self-medicator. We've got lots of options we go to, don't we? Too real? Not real enough. That's why. You know what? That's why fasting is important. Let me, let me talk to you about fasting for a minute. I know you walk into a church like this, you, you see, maybe if you're from a, a more fundamental, conservative, reserved, you know, past of religious experience, you walk in and you go, wow, they're, they're amening, they're talking back, they have drums or a PA system, like, this is kind of a radical, out there place. And now they're talking about fasting, giving up food, like, hello, too far right? But there's something about fasting because it puts your spirit on notice. And it puts your spirit on notice that God is the strength of your life. It puts your spirit on notice. Um, and, and fasting does two things, really. It gives priority to your spirit, and it brings humility to your flesh. So fasting is one of the only things. See, God talks about fasting. The Bible talks about fasting quite a bit. Because he knows that it's, it's imperative for the development of your soul. To bring priority to your spirit and bring humility to your flesh. See, it eliminates some of our escapes. And I always think it's, it's cute when science and health come along and discover what God has always known. And the big fad in the last two years has been, have you heard about intermittent fasting? It's amazing. You, you just skip a couple meals, and your body resets, and it helps you from a physical place. And everybody goes, oh, who would know? Who could have guessed that fasting is good for you? God. He, he already established that. And it's good for us, not just for physical reasons. It's good for us for spiritual benefits as well. Now, if you're not able to fast, maybe you download our guide and you read through the types of fast, and you say, okay, seven days, I'm going in. Seven days strong. I'm, I'm finishing strong. And, and you decide, okay, I'm going to do a Daniel fast, which is just fruits and vegetables. Or you say, I'm just going to fast lunch and make sure I'm praying during lunch. Or I'm going to skip breakfast. Or I'm going to do an all-liquids fast. Or I'm going to do, like, nothing but water. If you're going to do that, I'd highly recommend you get, like, medical clearance if you're in a, in a situation where you might want that. But let's, let's be clear. Some people aren't able to do a food fast because of medical limitations or maybe manual labor for whatever reason. Get that diagnosis. Get that cleared. But for the rest of us, 99.9%, can I just tell you a secret? It's not so much a secret. Fasting in the Bible is a food fast. It's about food. 
Now, I, I love the fact that we couple other things when we fast. We couple other things that limit distractions and really l- enable us to focus. Like uh, many times people will fast social media or they'll fast um, Netflix or they'll, they'll fast, um, I don't know, going to the gym. No, that's not fasting. You don't go to the gym anyway. It's not fasting if you wouldn't do it anyway. All right? It's not fasting if you wouldn't do it anyway. It's like saying to somebody in Virginia, why don't you fast driving well? That's not a fast. They don't drive well. They're not giving up anything. How do you like that? Maryland, you okay with that? (laughs) Right? It, It puts your body on notice that God is my first option. He's my last option. He's the strength of my life. He's the strength of my heart. So prayer is, is, is the only option that works for transforming who you are. So that's what, number one, we receive a heart change. It's a conversation about transformation. Number two, we receive answers and direction. I'm going to move quickly through this. We receive answers and direction. It's, so it's a conversation about direction. Aren't you glad your future and where you land in life is not wholly determined by the decisions you made between the age of 18 and 21? That God actually can whisper in your ear. That God, the same God who, who knows the number of hairs on your head, knows when a sparrow falls to the ground, knows when grass withers, created you, saw you in your mother's womb, numbered your days, and has a plan and a purpose for you. Aren't you glad there's somebody a little bit beyond your pay scale who sees the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end, and not only does he know, it says that he's right there behind you to say, this is the way to go. Direction. Ezra 8.23, we'll just give you another verse on that. It says, so we fasted and we entreated our God for this, And look what happened. He answered our prayer. He answered our prayer. Answers. Get ready for answers. Get ready for answers. I I like to have a new theme when I go into a new year uh, just, just for the church. And so I usually start praying around November and December, God, what are, what are we doing? I know we have a vision statement. I know we have a mission statement. I know we're filtered by purpose and the plan of the gospel. Like, I know there's lots of marching orders we have for the rest of our lives, but I like to have a theme going into a new year because I, I believe there's a prophetic uh, uh, prophetic plane that you, can, that you can slip into where it's not just the the next of God, it's the now of God with the specific details, and you get into this moment where it's God breathing it, God saying it, and, and us just hearing and obeying. And so I like to have a theme coming into a new year, and so I prayed through November. I, did, I wasn't getting anything. Got into December, wasn't getting anything. I started to stress out a little bit. Like, well, we got to have something. Like, you know, we've had the year of increase, the year of breakthrough, the year of bigger, the year, you know, just all these themes that God gives us, and then Every one of us kind of lives it. And it gives you a handle. That, that nomenclature, that verbiage gives you a handle for a theme that God just develops. And every time he puts a deposit in that, you go, oh, look, he's doing it again. He's doing it again. And so uh, we got into January, and I started to stress out. Lord, come on. And then one night I was at home, and I, have, I bought these new 3D goggles. And, um, and if you, does anybody here have 3D goggles? We have 3D goggle parties or something. Sounds very strange now that I say it out loud. But um, so I was at I was at home with my kids and I had them on and I was like, "Whoa, this is amazing!" My kids are doing. We're we're like, "This is crazy!" 
And then in the middle of, of this virtual reality experience, God spoke something to my heart. And it was a verse that I had read earlier that week. And I went, oh, i got to read that again. I'll go back and read it. And I was that's it. God, you answered. God, you spoke. A weight was lifted because there was direction. There was answers. There was a boldness and a confidence that this is the way. Walk in it. See, that is... Now, understand for a moment, in January, what will happen while you pray and fast and while you start your Bible reading plan? If you haven't started one, start one. Let this be the year you go through the Bible. And and what happens is you come into church, and you come every Sunday, you go, man, the preaching is so good this month. Like, it's amazing. Like, usually, like, this is really good preaching. Usually, it's not so good. Like, the preaching's not so good usually, but now it's good. Like, it's getting good. It's really good preaching. And people start to hear God, and they think the preaching has changed. No, what's happened is you've put something in your life that God can confirm. See, it's, it's amazing how the, the fire burns much better when there's wood involved. And when you're reading, and you're praying, and you're fasting, and God is still small voicing, and, and you're divine intersecting, and there's people coming up, and then all of a sudden you get in church, and God just starts highlighting things. And you go, oh, the preaching is so good. Pastor, pastor's got his preach on today. No, you got your devotional on this week. So if the preaching gets a little sketchy here, The words of Michael Jackson. You can start with somebody, uh, the man in the mirror. You can, you can just begin to give God something to highlight. Give God something to underline. Give God something to, and, th- and that's what he did. He just, he just underlined something I had read earlier in the week. And I went, there it is. It's the answer. It's a, God uses confirmation. He does. So put something in your spirit that he can highlight and watch and wonder. Okay, i got to move on. Uh, so on this point, prayer is not a monologue, right? It's a conversation about direction. It's just not a one-way. I, I wanted to do a fourth point today, that in prayer, we, we talked about you receive a change. It's a conversation about transformation. Number two, we talked about it's a conversation about direction. That says eight and a half minutes. Well, I like that clock better than whatever clock you're using. Can I get eight and a half minutes? All right. We'll work together. I preach a lot better when John comes out. You're like, well, you should, well, you should pray more. Oh, well, I'll read back to that. Okay. Uh, it's a conversation about transformation. It's a conversation about direction. I want to talk about it's a conversation about provision. You know, and, and, and on any given Sunday, I could and, and possibly will. But I think that's our default. We think it's always a conversation about provision. God, I need this. God, I want that. God, can you move him out? Maybe kill him. Okay, I know you're God. You won't kill him, but just move him on. All right, God, will you just do it? And we're asking for things, and it's a monologue of request. It's petition. And there's nothing wrong with that being part of your prayer life. But that, if that's all your prayer life is, you're missing something. It's a conversation about direction. And that means you have to listen for direction. I've got four sons. They'll come into my room. Dad, I need the pump for the basketball. Or Dad, I need this tool. And I'll say, okay, well, what you need to do is you need to go downstairs, make your way to the garage, da da da. And apparently, apparently, it's too much to get beyond two levels of instruction. 
because I'm at level two of the instruction. I'm just getting them to the garage. Then you go into the garage, and you're going to want to, and they're, I look, and they're gone. They're going down the stairs. And I, now understand, I don't care if they find what they want. I'm not invested in this. They came to me. They wanted to know where it was. But yet I find myself chasing them out of my room, going to the stairway. Wait a minute, you don't know. It's, I told you it was in the garage, but it's, it's, it's hidden behind the toolbox, and it's in that little cubby, and there's a, there's a towel over it. You'll never see it. They're gone. I could have saved them so much time. I don't have time to pray. You don't have time not to pray. I can't, I can't do it. Like I, as soon as I start praying, I get all these ideas, all these things I got to do. Okay, then get a piece of paper and, and just, the second it comes to your mind, write it in. Okay, now it's out of my mind. Back to prayer. prayer. Oh, and then you got to do, okay, I'll do that later, later, later. But I'm going to pray right now. Because I'm getting answers. And if I'm not getting them yet, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to wait. I'm going to listen. I'm just, I just want to hear what God has to say. Take time to listen. We receive answers and direction because it's a conversation about direction. So glad I had those moments where God interrupted me and grabbed hold of me and said, no, 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 not that way. That's a way that leads to a lot of heartache. That's a way that leads to bad financial decisions. Have you ever had that still small voice say, don't do it, don't do it, and you call him anyway? Don't do it, don't do it, and you buy it anyway? See, there's direction. Let me give you the third one. We'll land this very quickly. We receive boldness, number three, to approach him. See, that's what I love about. See, prayer, it's not just about getting your provision. God wants to do a transformation. God wants to give you direction. But it all, it's all through this conduit. He wants to make a connection. God wants to make a connection with you. Hebrews 4.16, we'll put it up on the big screen if you decide you want to take a snapshot of it and take it with you, but it says, it says how we're to approach God. And I suspect we'll read this and, and we'll find great contrast in how we typically approach God. Because maybe you approach God hesitantly. Maybe you approach God reluctantly. Maybe you approach God with this sinking feeling. I'm not worthy. I'm not qualified. Who is God, the God of all the universe and time and space and all eternity, that he would bend his ear to me in this moment? I know where I've lived. I know what I've done. And Hebrews 4 says, let's just adjust how you go to prayer. Let us therefore now come boldly to the throne of grace. And when you come, you're not going to find a tyrant. You're not going to find the eternal judge of humanity sentencing you, distancing you, you're going to find mercy and grace to help in your time of need. What can I expect when I go to prayer? You can expect the mercy and the grace of God. What can I expect when I give my 10 or 15 minutes? I'm just new at this prayer thing. How do I get going? Jesus said, could you not tarry one hour? And he's working with disciples who had walked with him for three and a half years. They saw him raise the dead. They saw him open blind eyes. They saw him speak truth. They saw him do the unimaginable. And they're still struggling to stay awake for 40 minutes. What hope is there for you and me? Well, the hope is we have a Father who says, mercy, gotcha. Grace, all you need. Boldly, 
that's how I'd like to see you come. Walk into this place of worship. Not with your hands in your pocket because you wonder, will I get struck by lightning if I walk into church today? No, but you'll find his mercies new this morning. You'll find even when you are faithless, he is faithful. You'll find a God who says, come boldly, not based upon what you can do or have done, but based on what I did and is forever done in the work of Jesus. Come boldly. I'm preaching too long on this, but there's just so many feelings in prayer. Sometimes I feel really joyful when I pray. Like, I'm so good. Like, I prayed three days in a row. You know, you ever feel that good pride, that pride of like, I did the right thing. And then other times you feel distracted. Other times you feel, you know, doubtful. Sometimes you feel, there's just a lot of feelings that come in prayer. But you know what I found is every relationship that matters, there's a lot of emotions and feelings. In, in, in my conversations with them. And so why would we expect prayer to be any different? Every relationship that matters brings about a lot of feeling. This is the ultimate relationship. This is the only relationship that matters. It's a connection with the God who loves you. It's a connection to the God who sees you. Prayer has features in common with every relationship that matters. Prayer. What it does is this boldness. How do I get there? We end it with this. Prayer brings a confidence in where you stand with God. That's what it does. It brings a confidence in where you stand with God. How can I have a boldness? Well, because you have a confidence. You know where you stand with Him because you spent time with Him. And you didn't spend, you know, three or four hours walking on your knees and, and, and you know, paying penance. And No, no, you, you looked into the eyes of the Father and said, here's your flawed son. Here's your broken daughter. And you love me just like I am. But you love me so much, you don't leave me where I am. You're going to transform me. You're going to give me direction. But it's all based on this one thing. There's a connection between me and the Father in prayer. Prayer is the gateway to develop your relationship. And my son came to me this week. He goes, uh, my oldest son, he said, Dad, uh, one of my friends called me, and he's in a really bad place. And this friend had called him and had shared some things about depression and some thoughts about his life. And it's serious, the kind of stuff that you don't delay on. And uh, Caden looked at me and said, well, Dad, what should I do? I said, well, go pick him up. you got to meet him right now and lead him to Jesus because he doesn't know there's hope beyond where he's living right now. And this guy has been watching my son for four years in high school. So the door is wide open. I appreciate Caden's honesty. He looked at me and he's like, Dad, but I want to go to the gym right now. <laughs> That's real, right? And we had a little conversation like we do with our team all the time here, that ministry doesn't happen in open moments of your calendar. Ministry happens in the inconvenient moments, but people are worth it. And he goes, I know, I know. Okay, so he went and he came back. He said, Dad, it's amazing. It wasn't just that friend, but he brought another friend. And I sat across the table. He was gone for like an hour and a half. He said, I explained to him what it means to follow Jesus. I explained to him what it is to be a Christian. I explained to him that prayer isn't what they think it is, that it's really just talking to God. It's just expressing yourself and talking and, and establishing a relationship. I thought, man, that is, that's it, isn't it? We make it so hard. What if on your commute this week, it was just that simple? God, I'm worried about this, but I know I'm not supposed to worry. 
Because your word says in everything, be anxious for nothing, but in everything give thanks. So I'm going to give thanks right now because I'm, I'm casting all my care on you. Okay, God, all right, I'm good on that. I offloaded that. And you just start to talk to God. You don't need King James. Please don't. You know, you don't need poetic sounding language. You don't need these and thous. You don't need theological expressions. You just need a heart that says, God, I need to connect with you because you have what I've been looking for, and you're the strength of my life. You're the strength of my heart, and I'm, I'm removing all the options. I'm removing all the accessories, and I'm getting back to that place. i got to get it back because I lost it. It's that first love. It's knowing you more than I want to know anything else. When you lose something, you pull out all the stops, right? I'm going to end with this. I know I said I'm ending, and I, I apologize, but I, I want to get this over here. What are you going without today is the question. What are you going out with today? Because you're going without something. If you're not praying, you're going without something. I, I'm, I'm going to get down. It's okay. You can leave it. You're fine. Yeah. Thanks, Tommy. Uh, you're going without something. And it could be big stuff, but it could be small stuff, like transformation in your, in your spirit. Like maybe you're in a place at work, or maybe you're just a place in society like we all are right now where you go to bed at night and you, you want to cry. Because you're just reading all the discord and dissonance. And you just, I want to be part of the solution. But I feel myself throwing down with just frustration. But God wants me to lead with love and to have answers. How do I do it? God says, well, let me transform you. Let me give you direction. We might be missing small. If you're not praying, you might be missing out on small things. You might be missing out on big things. And last week I, I was walking through the office and I thought, um, I was looking for something, so I pulled open one of the drawers, and I always forget that this certain drawer is not office stuff. I was looking for office stuff, but I opened the drawer, and then I remember every time I do it, and I look on the front, it says lost and found on the drawer, and it's where everything that we all leave in this room, they try to stuff in this drawer in the office, and so I started looking through lost and found. Maybe it's, you know, just little things, and, and the first thing I found was this water bottle. And uh, I thought, well, probably nobody's coming back for that. You know, maybe throw, maybe it's got sentimental value. Is it, anybody's here? Did we find out who this was in first experience? No, nobody claimed it. So nobody claimed it. Why? Small things. You probably don't notice when small things are missing, right? And then I dug a little bit deeper. Then I found a pair of sunglasses. These are nice because uh, I, I know the brand. I looked at it and said, Oakley. Okay, I know that brand. And as I talked about it during our first experience, Marcus raised his hand. He was like, oh, yeah, those are mine. And so I wonder, how, you know, he's been going without these sunglasses, and I didn't know who they were, but you identified, there you go, looking good. <laughs> I wonder, you know, you, you go without things sometimes. Maybe it affects you. Affects Marcus's vision, maybe. I don't know. Then my son came down and said, hey, this was left up in the balcony today. It's just kind of a strange thing. It's like a gold, well, I'm not going to describe it. It's a piece of jewelry, and uh, it's a necklace, and it was just left up there. And you say, well, maybe that's, a little, that's better than a water bottle. Somebody left that. That might have been important to somebody. I'm going to give it to Heather so she can distribute it to, you have to come and describe it, or you can't have it. You have to describe it so we know you're not stealing it. I'm just kidding. But I dug a little bit further in the drawer, and then I found this. Keys. Now, this was interesting to me because we got, like, a full-on modern vehicle. It's a Honda key, 
And it's got some words on it that I won't tell you. And uh, so you can identify it later. It sounds like I'm really worried about people stealing all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I don't know why that's happening. But, um, but there's, there's house key on here and the key fob and some other defining things. And I'll give that to Temi. He can help find it. And I thought, that's kind of a big deal. Like, how did you get home when you lost that? And why didn't you come back to get it? Like, what have you been missing out on? Your, your life might have been kind of limited. So, if that, matter of fact, did somebody claimed that in first experience, didn't they? And then they left without it again. Are you still here? I hope somebody got their name. It was somebody right back there like, those are my keys. I'm like, how have you been getting along? We have the key to your house. We have the key to your car. I think so, so many times we, we go without prayer. I wonder what we're missing. I wonder what we're going without. I wonder how we're getting along, knowing that the momentum of our life and the doors that we find open are by chance or by effort. They might not be by God's design. But prayer, come on, it changes everything. Can we pray? We're going to wrap this up quickly. Just close your eyes right where you are. I want to pray with two groups of people. First group of people. You're just in this room. You say, I need to respond to this message. You just, you just know, and I'm going to ask that you just minimize movement in the room. But you know you need to respond to this message. You need to start 2019 with a greater value on prayer. It's a fresh start. Find what you've lost. Or maybe you've never been here. Maybe you've never lived this before. Maybe this is a radically new idea. I want to pray for you right now. Father, we respond to this message. We want to be a praying church. You said your house would be a house of prayer, God. We want to be those people who who believe in the power of prayer more than we believe the power of our own process. We want to believe in the power of prayer more than we believe in the power of our own ingenuity. We want to believe in the power of prayer more than we believe in the power of our own will and our own design and our own strategy. Father, we want to, to rest in you because you are the strength of our heart. You're our only option, God. So we return to that place of simple trust, childlike, saying, God, open the eyes of our heart. If you're for us, who can be against us? You can take care of that job. You can take care of that relationship. I'm going to cast my care on you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to pray, and you're going to answer, give direction. You're going to transform and change me. And, Lord, there's going to be a bold connection because I know I'm your favored son and I'm your favored daughter to approach you. I want to pray for one other group of people here today. You, you know that you need to respond to the God that we've been talking about, the God of the Bible, how Jesus came. And the Bible says God so loved the world that Jesus came and, and died, a horrific substitutionary death. So that when God sees you now, he doesn't see the mistakes. He doesn't see the detours. He sees the finished, perfect, completed work of Jesus. He sees you forgiven. He sees you new. You can have a boldness before God, a clean conscience before him and man. Only God can do this. And you don't try to get there on your own. You simply surrender to the one who already made a way. On the count of three, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand. By raising your hand, you're not joining a church per se. And 
I'm certainly not going to trick you into standing up or get you to come forward, try to get you to walk forward, but I'm just going to pray with you right where you sit because I believe there's something supernatural that happens when there's an outward response to an inward decision to say, Jesus, you can have my life. Are you ready? One, don't wait. Today is your day. Two, he loves you right where you are, has a plan and purpose to transform you, change you, direct you, and connect with you. Are you ready? Hands in the air. One, two, three. Right up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Balcony, thank you. Anybody else say, yeah, that's me. Just include me in that prayer. I'm going to pray a general prayer over his room as we close. But all of today is for this moment, for this moment where God connects with his son, with his daughter. It might be the first time you've ever prayed this prayer. It might be a recommitment moment. We're going to do it in faith together. Anybody else say, yeah, that's me. Include me in that prayer. Don't leave me out. Praise God. Church, are you ready? Let's pray this nice and loud. Dear Jesus, I give you my life because you first gave me yours. I love you, Jesus, because you first loved me. So I surrender all I am, all I've been, and all I hope to be. I put it in your hands. I thank you. You died on the cross. You rose on the third day, and you forgive me, and you love me. Now say this boldly. I am a Christian. By grace, I've been saved. In Jesus' name, amen.